Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. All right, all right. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good, good, good. It's going to be a sweet morning. Um, I know we're going we're gonna to learn some fun things together. Welcome to everyone joining us online as well as everyone uh, in VR and everyone on the lake and everyone on the beach and everyone in the parks and everyone. Oh, and we're here. No, this is great. This is going to be really sweet today. Um, by the way, this is week yeah, three of Lost Cause. Pastor Mark from the Ridge was here last week. Didn't he do a great job? Man, I love Mark. Uh, all with the, I mean, I did kind of, yeah, I, I ripped on him as I introduced him. But he threw me under the bus when he said all I gave him was a little sweat towel. I had a massive gift basket for him in the back. I got home, my kids are like, Dad, you're such a jerk. I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, you only gave him a sweat towel? I was like, no, man, I gave him like tons of stuff. And uh, yeah, and he gave me a Diet Coke, whatever. So... No, it was great, and I love the Ridge. It was so fun being with our congregation last week and, and kind of leaning into some of the, my giftings with them, and then I asked Mark to lean into some of his giftings with us, and, and he just did a great job. Let me just do a little, I'll, I'll recap us, but just to catch you up, if you're new here, we're in the middle of this series called Lost Cause, okay? And Lost Cause is looking at it, the, the basis of that title. It comes out of this, these parables that Jesus tells of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. So so it's all about the loss and how Jesus is saying, hey, God actually has puts a top priority over these things that are lost. And in as Jesus is telling the story, though, he's his whole point of the stories is to help us actually join God's heart in uh, in, in what God's up to, which is his heart to see everyone who doesn't yet have a relationship with him come into a relationship with him because right now they're lost. Now that's not a, a, a bad term. It just means in terms of where they are, in terms of where God is and where they are, they, they don't know how yet to connect the dots. They might go, I, I don't know exactly where I'm at. And so if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you're here on a great day because what we're talking about today is some critical things about how to help people on their journey toward Jesus. And I believe every single one of us is on a journey either with Jesus or towards Jesus. And so if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I think you're on a journey. That's why you're here. And um, you're going to learn some great things today about how to take a next step in your journey. Um, here were the big things that I, I challenged uh, all of us to do on week one. And uh, Mark reiterated it, which is identify your one. When we talk about your one, once again, it comes out of the parables of the one uh, lost sheep, the one lost coin, the one uh, son. And it's all about identifying one. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed, like, man, uh, there's so many people who may not know Jesus and so many, many, many. And yet it all begins, even with those parables, of just focus on one. Take one at a time. So who might the Lord be impressing on your heart that you'd say, how, God, can I partner with you to help that person take another step on their journey towards Jesus? And so identify your one, and then pray for your one was the second thing. Pray for your one daily at one, and that's simply a way of reminding yourself to say, God, would you set me up for an opportunity to help that person take another step on their journey towards you? Last week, Mark talked about all these different uh, evangelistic styles. I don't know how many of you, if you're, if you're a little older, did any of you ever get socks for Christmas? Anyone? 
Anyone ever get socks? Okay, a bunch of you. I got socks for Christmas. A lot of times it ended up in the stockings, you know, but, but it was still socks. And here's the deal. I remember when I was younger, there was like two types of socks. That's all that existed. Tube socks, which I was really bummed when I got tube socks. It doesn't have the, some kids are like, what is that? It's where it doesn't have the heel in it, okay? You have to create the heel by wear and tear. Over time, that heel will kind of get in there. And so that's, and, and it was really a bummer if you got tube socks or you got crew socks. It had the heel in there. And you're like, oh, that's it. Maybe it might have stripes. But that was it. That's, that's all you got. So I don't know if any of you have this at your house, but at my house, when we do laundry, like the worst part of laundry is matching socks. Because over the years, they figured out there can be more than like one or two kinds of socks. Now there's like hundreds. And so we have a whole bin, an entire bin of unmatched individual socks. They don't even match. But here's the beauty of that. And I look at it kind of around evangelism. I think for many of us, we've almost viewed evangelism as like, I have to memorize the one style. And actually, aren't you glad you know after Mark spoke last week that there's actually all these different evangelistic styles and kind of bents that lean into our giftings and our personalities. And it's like, oh, I can, have, I can do this with my personality. Stripes plus a SpongeBob on it, whatever it is, you know, that type of thing. So I'm going to review. Here are those styles really quickly. If you weren't here last week, here's the first one, confrontational style. Uh, if you're wired this way, this was Peter in scripture. Um, he's, it's the person who likes asking challenging questions. You go right for uh, the gospel-centric conversations like unashamedly. And if this is you, let me just give you one piece of encouragement. It needs to be done in love because confrontational can be a little confrontational. So it's got to be done in love, and it is best done within relationships. So just keep that in mind. Second one was intellectual style. The Apostle Paul is a great example of this when he's in Athens, and he's actually, he's dealing with a whole bunch of philosophers, and so he's intellectually taking them on a journey to God. And, uh, and so if this is you, you actually are maybe a deep thinker. You like looking at science to prove a creator. Maybe uh, you're, you really like apologetics. If you're sitting there going, I don't know what apologetics means, this is not your style, okay? Uh, but if, if you are, that you're like, I love apologetics and I'm all about that. And so uh, it, it could be that, the intellectual style. Um, the next one that he covered was testimonial style. Uh, in scripture, this would have been the man who was born blind, who literally he's healed and he has a simple story. I was blind and now I see. And if this is your kind of bent, you love leaning into your story. Like when you talk to people about God, you don't really spend a whole lot of time trying to maybe explain everything about God, you just go, hey, let me tell you what he's done in my life. And, um, and quite frankly, a lot of people may feel like they don't know enough, but here's what you do know. You know your story. And everyone can lean into that one. Uh, the next one that Mark covered was interpersonal style. Matthew was the, the person that Mark talked about last week. Um, he's the tax collector who, as soon as he has an encounter with Jesus, first thing he does is he throws a party. And if you are an interpersonal style, you love people and you love parties. And what you want to do is you want to mesh those two things together to actually lead people to Jesus. And so what Matthew did is he basically said, let me bring all of my friends to 
meet this new guy that I've met, Jesus. And in, if you're in interpersonal style of evangelism, you have the same idea. You're like, how can I bring people who don't yet know Jesus to meet other people who do know Jesus so that they can mix with one another and hopefully those who haven't yet discovered Christ are gonna go, oh, here's a group of people whose lives have been transformed and they hear about Christ. And so you're, you love people and you love partying. And uh, now it's parties with a purpose. Uh, next one was invitational style. Person that uh, we covered or that uh, Mark covered was the woman at the well. She basically says, come and see. Come and see this man who's taught me everything or told me everything about myself. And if this is you, you're someone who goes, listen, I just love inviting people to church with me or to a Christian concert or to an event where they're gonna be pointed toward Jesus. And guess what? When you invite people, they, they just... They say yes to you. It's because it's how you're gifted as kind of an invitational style and that's what you love to lean into. And then the final one uh, was the serving style. There's a woman in scripture named Dorcas who served greatly. Mother Teresa was this style. And you love to serve as a means to point people to Jesus. And the reality is there's probably a couple of these that all of us lean into in terms of how we might want to point people to Christ. Um, but our whole hope last week was that you would realize, okay, there's a variety of socks. And there's one that fits you and one that you actually want to wear and that you're wired for. And so I pray that you walked away last week feeling a little bit empowered and going, okay, I can do this. I don't, it's not a one size fits all and I don't have to do it just like everyone else. Now today, what I wanna do is I wanna take our conversation a little bit further. I wanna give you some practical tips and I honestly, I wanna, this is gonna take some of you off guard a little bit. I want to teach as opposed to preach. I lean into preaching, which I would say is more, um, I, I don't wanna, def I don't need to define it. Teaching is like, pull out your phones and get ready to take some notes, okay? That, that's the difference. And honestly, you might want to pull out your phone and get ready to take some notes today because this is the type of message that today you're gonna wanna go back and go, okay, I gotta remember that. I need to learn that. I need to process that. In fact, if you go to the Bible app and you go to the events page and you enable uh, location services, you can, the map will pop up and Lakeland is live right now and you can just click on that and the whole outlines there and then you can just take notes right within the outline okay so that's always that happens every single week but I just want you to be aware of it so here's some things to keep in mind so once again I see phones are coming out that's great take notes don't play games okay <laughs> pull out your phones take notes don't play games we'll just emphasize that so here's the thing that I want to just start with okay first thing to kind of just keep in mind on on being effective in pointing people to Jesus is this. Discern where they are spiritually. Discern where they are spiritually. I've often um, used this kind of this stage almost as an example of, let's imagine that right here in the middle, this is ground zero, this is the cross. And everything on this side of the stage is like negative one all the way to negative 10 way down there. And the person who's way down there is someone who is saying, I'm just like, I'm far they, they would say, I'm not even interested in Jesus, okay? And then as the closer they get to ground zero, the cross, the more interested and open they are to talking about God or Jesus or what he did for them on the cross. And, and they're open to this conversation. And then on the other side of it, because we have to clarify that once you say yes to Jesus and you trust him with your life, it's not, you're like, yay, I've arrived. But there's so much more on the other side of it, where, which is this 
journey of growth and maturity. And so it's kind of a plus one to plus 10. And way down there, plus 10 is literally a mature Christ follower and your life looks more and more like Jesus. And the more that you walk with Jesus on a daily basis, guess what? You're gonna discover that you continue to change. Yay, right? We're changing to be more like him. All of a sudden, my, my reactions have greater patience or greater love or greater joy, all these things as I continue to mature on my journey. And so discern where they are spiritually because our goal is not to just, I gotta get people right here to ground zero to the cross. No, here's our goal. Our goal is always to get people to take one step in that direction. So if someone's really far from Jesus, the likelihood of you getting them to, let's talk about trusting Jesus with your life today. They'll probably be like, I want nothing to do with your Jesus or God. And so the question is, how do we get them to take a step in this direction? And so here's two things that I would just encourage you uh, as you think about this process. First thing would be this. If they're not interested, meaning they're way down there, far end of the spectrum, live it out. And what I mean is, may your actions speak louder than words. Don't try to argue them to faith. Don't try to engage them in deep faith conversations. They're probably not interested. Live out your faith and may your actions speak louder than words. If they are maybe right here, negative one, negative two, they're kind of nearing this and interested in a conversation with Christ. So if they are interested, next slide, speak it out. If they are here, guess what they want? They want a conversation. And so Christ followers, open your mouth and don't be like, I'm just gonna live it out and I hope they make it. I hope they give their life to Christ if I just snow blow their driveway. No, they need someone to tell them how to actually put their faith in Jesus and and they're open to it. So don't be afraid of it. It's time to speak it out. If If they're interested, Use your mouth, okay? So if they're not interested, live it out. May your actions speak speak louder than words. If they are interested, speak it out. May your words affirm your actions, okay? Does that make sense? All right, second thing kind of along with this, and this is the one thing that kind of can break the mold in the spiritual journey here is pay attention to life circumstances. This piece of life circumstances can actually impact you jumping from them being a negative 10 all the way to a negative one overnight. Life circumstances can do that and you need to pay attention because the person who might have been distant from God might actually be very open to God depending on some of these life circumstances. So here's some that I always pay attention to and When people are in it, I then discern, are they a whole lot closer than they were the day before because of this life circumstance? So here's some of them. Death. Folks, whenever there's a death in someone's life, guess what they are thinking about? What happens after life? Always. That's always on their mind. You want to know why that's on their mind? Because scripture tells us that eternity is written on man's heart. It's written on their heart. Guess what? That means that even the person who goes, listen, I believe when we die, we're just worm food and that's the end and there's nothing else. You wanna know what uh, happens when all of a sudden someone dies? What was written on their heart, which is eternity, supersedes what they've been telling their mind, which is there's nothing after this. God, What God wrote on someone's heart will always win. 
and will always surface eventually. It's written there by God and it's, it's binding and it cannot be ignored. They will face it and they will bring it to the surface at some point. And death is a great opportunity for people to, be, to, to not say, hey, you know, if you don't know Jesus, you're probably gonna burn in hell after you. No, 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 no. That's not what you do when there's death. What you do is you ask, hey, have you ever thought about what happens after this life? You start with a question and you just see where that conversation goes, but they're usually more open to a spiritual conversation when death happens. Also at birth, when there's a new life, parents who have a newborn, they are open to spiritual conversations. Why? Because all of a sudden now they've got a, they've got a little one who's their entire eternal journey rests upon them and they can sense it, they can feel and they're like, man, I feel like it would be important for me to come alongside this little life and help point them on a trajectory towards something that's bigger than just what we see on this planet. They're, they're open to it. Agony of victory, what's that? Agony of victory is simply this. It's when someone has hit a high point in life and they feel yet defeated. It's this, you get the, the raise or you get the promotion and you still feel like there's a letdown in life. This was the rich young ruler in scripture. He's got all this money, he's got all this stuff, yet he still comes to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, uh, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, get rid of all your, your stuff and come follow me. And he leaves with his head hung low and he's disappointed because he's got it all, but he knows it's empty. You, you wanna know, a perfect example of this was actually um, uh, Tom Brady, 2005, after his third uh, Super Bowl victory, he's being interviewed. And in the interview, uh, literally he says this, there's got to be more than this. And the guy who's interviewing him asks, what's the answer? And Tom Brady, literally, if you watch that interview from 2005, with desperation in his face, he, he says, I wish I knew, I wish I knew. He's just won three Super Bowl victories and he goes, there's got to be something more and I wish I knew what it was. He's facing agony of the victory. Parenting teens, teenagers, we love you. We love you, we love you. And here's the realities. Because we love you so deeply, this is why it's so difficult. We feel for you with such great depth and yet we understand that you're making your own independent decisions and that becomes really difficult as parents. If teens are sitting there going, I don't know why it's so difficult. I've got my life taken care of. <laughs> That's why it's so difficult for us, okay? And it's in these moments that quite frankly, we need Jesus, <laughs> right? And, and they're open to a conversation at that point. Any crisis, when people are facing crisis, it's a great opportunity to say, Okay, where's God in the midst of all this? And then big life change. And big life change can be actually high points in life. It could be things like you're, it's a new job, it's a new house, new to the area. Some of those big life changes are actually a great opportunity to talk about faith. And here's why. Because all of these things, you know what's involved in them? They're all heart level feelings and questions come to the surface. Like even moving into a, a new job, you're like, is this what I was made for in life? You are made for something. You're, you're a creation made by a creator for a great purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says this. You know, so there's, there's always this something within their heart that's longing to figure out what is their, 
what's their God-given purpose? And so anyhow, there's, these are just opportunities that pay attention to these things, these situations in life, because you want to know what they do? This is like shoots and ladders on the spiritual spectrum. All of a sudden, you hit one of those, and you ride a slide all the way here to the cross. I'm telling you, all of a sudden, they're like, I, I wasn't interested, and now I'm very interested in having this conversation because of these life circumstances. Okay, so now... I want to give you three simple tools in the toolbox that I think every Christ follower uh, should be able to use, okay? And, and you need to have this kind of ready to use for when the opportunity arises. The first one would be this, testimonial, testimonial evangelism. Once again, this was the blind man who says, I was blind and now I see. You have your story. Even if you don't feel like you know enough about Jesus or the gospel or scripture, you have your story. And here's three critical statements that are always a part of testimonial evangelism. I was, but with Jesus and now. That's it. You could literally turn this into one sentence. It could be, it doesn't have to be like, well, I made my 15 minute testimony. It could be one sentence long. It could look like this. Let me give an example. Next slide could be this. I was in constant fear, but with Jesus, I've trusted him with my life, with my sin, with my eternity, and my fear. And now, guess what he's provided me? Supernatural confidence and peace as I walk in faith and not in fear. Okay, it's, it's a one-sentence thing that points people to what Jesus has done in your life. And, and so it's a, I was, but with Jesus, and now. Now, if you're like me, I gave my life to Christ when I was five. And so my story doesn't go like this. Well, I was running the, you know, the five-year-old gangs in my town. We were stealing candy from everyone. And, uh, you know, then I, then I had this moment with Jesus. It was like instead of uh, on Peter Road, which is what I grew up on, it was like I had this, ro- this road to Damascus moment with Jesus, bright light, shine. He said, stop stealing candy, come to me. I was like, I'm in. And now I've stopped stealing candy. No, it's not like that. It's like I, I was in my bedroom when my mom was telling me about Christ and I trusted him as my Lord. You know, I don't have this like amazing story of like I was, you know, I was running the five-year-old ringleader, you know, gang life. I didn't have that. But here's what I do have. I actually have that exact same story over and over, almost every single week. I I mix testimonial evangelism in almost into every one of my messages. If if I'm talking about fear, you know, and I'm dealing with fear in a week, I did this a couple weeks ago where I was like, you know what, guys, it, it hit me this week. I started thinking about this, you know, a financial thing. I found fear grabbing my heart and I realized, oh, this is not, this is not how I should behave, be behaving right now. I took it to Jesus and Jesus transformed me. He gave me a new mind, a new way of looking at it. And all of a sudden I had confidence walking away from it. Guess what? That was Jesus working in my life that day. So don't ignore daily testimonial evangelism in the sense where you're, you can say, hey, this was, I was really facing this today and God showed up in my life today. Day and he brought me through it today. Make sense? Some of you. Yes. Yes. All right, good. Sorry. I gotta get something to drink. All right, so don't, everyone, testimony evangelism. Second thing that I want everyone to have in kind of the toolbox, I think all of us need this. It's one verse evangelism. I think it's our responsibility as Christ followers that every single one of us should be able to, with scripture, lead someone 
to be able to put their faith in Christ. So I want to just teach you really quick a very simple one-verse evangelism for every one of us so that you could take someone to Scripture and at least help them understand how to put their faith in Jesus. The one verse that you're going to, this is the finished product. You can draw this on a napkin and walk someone through this literally on a napkin. Uh, Go to the next slide. This is the verse that you're going to need to memorize. It's Romans chapter six, verse 23. For the wages of sin is is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You wouldn't have all the circles and squares on that yet, but here's basically what you would do. You're gonna draw a picture of you and God. Okay, this is you, this is God. And the question is, how in the world do I have a relationship between me and God? And then you just start working your way through this verse. Well, the very first thing I want to point out here is that it says for the wages. And you're going to circle wages and you're going to write wages. What's a wage? Well, a wage is really simple. It's what you owe someone after they've worked for you. It's something that is due that needs to be paid, right? It's a wage. Something has to be paid. Well, there's a wage for, and then you circle sin, for sin, There's a price that has to be paid for sin, for yours and my sin. Sin is anything that has broken our relationship with God, us resisting him. If you've ever lied, stolen, cheated, in any sort of a way, those are things that are breaking God's law, his standard, his holy and perfect standard. And so they actually break our relationship with him. So there's a wage for sin. And that wage of sin is actually this thing called death. That's how steep the price was. And death throughout scripture almost always communicates separation. And so we're separated from God. However, the next word is but. So there's something that God did so that we don't get stuck over here. So now check out what happens. But God offered something else. He offered a gift. Notice how this is opposite. A wage is something I have to pay, but a gift is something that's free. The wage of sin is the first thing that we actually own, but there's a gift that we get of God. As opposed to a wage of sin, it's a gift of God. And what does he offer us in place of death? He gives a gift of God is life. So now check out the opposites here. Here's something I owe because of that, and that's the punishment. But God offers me a gift. It's from him, and he offers me life. So then how in the world do I experience this this whole deal? Well, it's through Jesus Christ. He was the one who laid down his life for us at the cross, and he actually built the bridge that gets me to God. And he actually is the one who paid the price for my sin and took my death upon himself at the cross. And the way that I receive what he did is I simply put my trust in him. And through trusting him, now I can have this restored relationship. Now, that took me like three minutes, right? It's one verse drawing on a, on a napkin, and you could do this. And so even as you leave here today, we're gonna, I've got these for every single one of us. It's just a, a printout of this. If you're watching online, our chat hosts are actually going to drop a link right now in the, the chat so that you can just download this PDF, and you can learn it. But I think it's worth all of us just kind of memorizing that and learning that so that you can use Scripture to point someone to Jesus. So that's one verse evangelism. Final thing is this, one word evangelism. So we've got testimonial evangelism, one verse evangelism, and one word evangelism. And when I say one word evangelism, it, this is what I mean. Think about phrases or sentences, not paragraphs. Sentences, not paragraphs. One word, not a paragraph. And here's where you use one word evangelism. You use it for anyone who's somewhere on this spectrum. If they're far from the Lord, you just count. It's one word. And here's what I mean by that. You're literally dropping a word in there. Hey, look at the beautiful sunset. 
Man, God is an amazing painter of sunsets, isn't he? It's just dropping that in there. Or last year when my mom passed away, God really met me in that moment. Or I've got a really big decision that I've got to be making. I've been thinking and praying about it. See, just one word being dropped in there. Or, oh man, someone's dealing with fear. Oh, I, I hear that you're dealing with fear. You know, my pastor was talking about fear and here's a little insight he gave. See, what you're doing is you're just dropping my pastor. All of a sudden the person's like, oh, you have a pastor? Oh, that means you probably go to church. You're, you're thinking and praying about a decision? Oh, you pray about that? Oh, that means you're probably spiritual to some degree. I was talking with a guy, uh, actually, where we were discussing one word evangelism, and, uh, and he was telling me his story. Um, he was from Texas, and, and he was sharing how he had literally been, one word evangelism was his methodology of helping move one of his ones. Um, and it was his hairdresser or his barber. So every month he goes to his barber, gets his haircut, and he's like, okay, so I got once a month. That's what I got. I'm just gonna try to drop things in there. So every single time he sat in the barber chair, he would try to drop one sentence in their whole conversation that would let the person know that he is that he has a relationship with God or he's spiritual and he, or that he trusts God. You know, talk about Jesus, something, just one word. So then guess what happens? A year goes by, every single time he sits in the chair, he uses one word evangelism. Then all of a sudden, one day, he sits in the barber chair and his barber or his hairstylist says to him, hey, you're spiritual, aren't you? And he goes, I, I guess, what, what do you mean? And he goes, well, and the hairstylist goes on to say how he just lost a family member. What's he facing? One of those life circumstances, death. And, he's, and all of a sudden, the conversation opened up. And you, then you want to know what he did? He used testimonial evangelism to say, well, here's what God's done in my life. And then you want to know what he did next? He used inter, uh, the invitational style to say, hey, would you want to just come with me to church and I'll meet you uh, at church? And guess what happened? His hairstylist eventually gave their life to Christ. Because of that journey, it was over a year in the works, one word evangelism to testimonial, to a life, you know, life circumstance, to literally uh, testimonial, to invitational. And that whole process, eventually that person came to a place where they were trusting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I don't know if you've seen this AT&T commercial. It's uh, their, their tagline is just okay is not okay, all about their network. And, and the, the commercial looks like this. There's a guy who's sitting in a hospital bed and he's getting ready to go into surgery and he asks the nurse, have you been working with Dr. Francis for a while? And she goes, oh yeah, he's okay. And he goes, just okay. As the doctor comes walking in and he's shouting really loudly, just got reinstated. He goes, not formally. And then he can see the fear on the patient's face. And he goes, don't worry, we'll figure it out. Just like that. And, the guy, and then the tagline, you know, just okay is not okay. And here's the deal. Of course, we know that if you're a doctor, you had better be prepped, have the knowledge, and be able to do the surgery. Why? Because the guy's life is at stake. Well, as you walk in this door here, uh, we have a tagline at the end of our mission statement. And it's because lives are at stake. And quite frankly, Christ followers, if you're a Christ follower, are you prepped? Are you ready? Are you trained? Have you studied to lead someone toward Jesus? Or are you just saying, well, hopefully someday I'll be able to do that. Or hopefully someday I'll get a little bit better at that. No, not hopefully someday, this week. 
This week, you're going to get better. And the reason why is because lives are at stake. And quite frankly, we can't be okay with okay in this area. Like at some point, we just have to... Like you literally have to just practice one verse evangelism. You got to practice giving your testimony. You, you just have to practice. You got to just try. Because quite frankly, the world deserves it. They need it. And we had better be prepped. Now, what could happen if the hundreds and hundreds of us who are in here and online did one simple thing this week to get ready and to plant the seed of the gospel in someone's journey? What would happen? What could happen if the, you know, the thousands of people who call Lakeland home this week, just think about that. Thousands of little moments of, of people dropping the gospel or, or what God's done in their life all throughout our community. You want to know what would happen? Gospel saturation happens. That's what happens. And, it will, and over time, yes, people who are on a spectrum will get closer to ground zero to a moment of dealing with the cross. And you'll be ready and prepped to say, to lead them to it, to help them understand what the gospel really is, the good news in Jesus Christ. And then you'll be ready to say, do you want to pray with me? To trust Jesus as your savior. Now today, I'll be honest, uh, my evangelistic style, it's kind of up there on the, on the six. It's, I'm probably confrontational, but I don't like to just, uh, I don't like to shout at people in any sort of way. I'm confrontational in the sense I'll just go right up for, I'll go for the jugular. But here's, here's how my confrontational comes out. I just want to end with it today. I want to lean into, I think, the way God's gifted me. This is what I love doing. I love walking up to people or having conversations with people. And as soon as they share what they're in the middle of or their struggle or whatever, I, I pray. That's my thing. I love praying. I love going straight to heaven and saying, God, would you show up in powerful ways? And I bet the farm on God all the time. That's my evangelistic style. I, I literally, they have something, everyone always has something that's kind of impossible that they're like, if God doesn't show up, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And I go, that's what I'm going after. That's mine. I'm going after that one. And then I pray because I believe our God is the God of power, that God would show up powerfully in their life. And then I say, listen, if God shows up in your life, I want a follow-up conversation because now you've got to deal with what he just showed up. He's real. He wants a, conver- he wants a relationship with you. And so I want to I end with this. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, you have something in your life that you're like, if God showed up in this unique way, I might give him a chance. Okay, so I'm going to pray about that. And this week when God shows up in your life, you're going to give your life to Christ. Why? Because he's real. And I just laid out for you how you can trust him. And you're probably just going, I just, I just need God to do one thing. So that's the one thing I'm going to pray for. And, um, and I'm going to trust that God's going to show up. And the reason why I know he will, because he wants your heart more than anything else. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I imagine there's some right now in this room who are saying, God, I'll trust you. I'll give my life to you only if, if I can see you show up in this one area of my life. And so God, I'm just gonna bet the farm on you right now. God, I know you're a God of power. I know that you love every person right where they are at today. 
But most, more than anything, you don't want to leave people where they're at. You want us to come into relationship with you. And so for those who are skeptics, for those who are sitting there going, God, I need you to show up in a big way. God, show up in a big way in their life. Show up in power. Speak to whatever their unique need is. If they're looking for a miracle, would you just show up in some way that they go, that was of God, and I know it was of him. If it's a decision that they need made, if it's, a, if it's something that, uh, a domino that needs to fall, something like that, God, would you show up? I believe you will, and that later this week, there will be those who are now sitting there going, okay, I've got to trust you now with, as my Lord and my Savior because you just showed up and if you're real then everything you did for me at the cross is real and that means my, this relationship with you can be real so Lord just show up I pray for every person here who is a Christ follower Lord help us not to just hope we get better but help us to do the work to actually get better because the world deserves Christ followers who are actually equipped and ready to point people to Jesus and lead people to him. Open up opportunities for every single one of us here and as well as online to plant a little seed of the gospel in someone else's life. Lord, I pray that you would help us to bring kind of gospel saturation to our communities wherever we live. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, don't leave here without receiving prayer. If you have something that you're like, I got a big thing, I need God's power to work in my life, our prayer partners will be available. Uh, don't miss out on them. They're up here, they're online as well. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.